Let's face it, crypto scares some people. And usually those people are the ones who stand to lose something as people are empowered by blockchain. Think governments and institutions. Would you be willing to hand your phone code and password over to a government agent if asked? How would you feel about having to pay a fine for not doing so? Well, believe it or not, this is happening now in New Zealand. And today, we welcome back bad crypto correspondent Naomi Brockwell, aka Bitcoin Girl, to discuss what's happening down under. Now, this may end up becoming more of a poo cast than a podcast. Confused? Don't worry, we are too. So, welcome to episode number 209 of the Bad Crypto Poo Cast. Uh, I mean, podcast. Hey, Mr. Joel Com, didn't you mean the bad crapto podcast? <laughs> That's actually not too far from the truth. And without revealing why, you guys are going to have to find out when you listen to this interview with Bitcoin Gov. Yes, it's always a joy having Bitcoin Girl on the show. I think this is, what, her third time? Uh, maybe time? third or fourth, yeah. Brains in beauty. She is uh, the the whole package. She's lots of fun, but super intelligent, insightful. And she was on scene at a blockchain conference in New Zealand called Blockchain South. And she has some really scary news that uh, came forth while at that conference and also talks about Australia's treatment of encryption. So you guys are going to want to stick around for this interview. It's not like Halloween scary. It's like real world authoritarian scary, right? 1984 yeah. shit. Mm -hmm. Only in 2018. Yeah. He got the date. Speaking of 1984, you know, that commercial by Apple when they did the 1984 commercial that was, of course, you know, demonstrating that Big Brother was like the PC mm -hmm. was, you know, Big Blue IBM and and they were the, the rule breakers. Apple has now become the big brother that they railed against those years ago. That is my hypothesis. Well, who who is more big brother, Google or Apple? Because I would argue that Google is way more big brother, uh, especially with the ties that they have with the NSA and their creations and how yeah, Sergey yeah. Brand. That's they're all pretty much at this point sort of big brother. Yeah. Yeah, the point, but they weren't they weren't railing against Google because there was no Google at the mm -hmm. time. They were railing against uh, IBM and Microsoft and the PC, yeah. right? And and now Apple has taken the front seat. They have this closed system, right? Mm -hmm. And the, these high walls, and you you can't get in, right? And and uh, they are in control of data, and who knows what kind of data they're sucking up from us. And I think just like, you know, Google removed Don't Be Evil from their charter, um, Apple's also, I think that... You Let know. me ask you this. Which mobile device would you rather have, an iPhone or an Android at this point, knowing that Android's so tied into Google? I want a blockchain phone. I want a blockchain phone. That was not one of my questions, Mr. Jocom. That's my answer, though, and I'm going to answer how I want to, thanks to our sponsor, Digitex. They want me to answer. <laughs> How I want to. They, they, because they have paid, because they have paid to sponsor this show. And because we are advisors on this project, they call the shots and they said, I need to move on. Mm. 
They said less banter, more sponsor shout outs. Oh, is that what they said? So oh. you're doing what they want. Yeah. I'm doing what they okay. want because they're they're our big brother right That's now. Good. But they're doing something that is empowering for people. They're building a commission-free trading platform where you'll be able to trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin futures contracts with, get this, no fees. We're talking game changing stuff no withdrawal fees no deposit fees no transaction fees and easy to use e, uh, ui their own native token the dgtx token which is already trading and over a half a million people mr travis right on their early access wait list and many of you in the republic of bad cryptopia are probably on that list but if you're not you can be it's super easy to be i'm going to tell you how you can how, be. mr joe Com, how uh, thank you for asking, Mr. Travis Wright. Simply go to badco.in forward slash futures, and there you go. It'll take you right there. Digitex. Yeah. Bam. No futures. So let's get back to, I guess, our thoughts around authoritarian craziness and uh, maybe jump into this call with uh, Naomi. What do you think? Let's do it. are delighted to welcome back to the show for maybe the third or fourth time i can't remember our bad crypto correspondent from down under who actually lives on this on uh, up under up over i guess the one and only bitcoin girl naomi rockwell hey naomi hi lovely to be here is this the third or fourth time I have no idea. It just blends together into like a bunch of awesomeness. Mm -hmm. Two regular shows, then the one when we had Charlie Lee on at the Litecoin Foundation, and this one that's before. Ah. Yeah, you should be should be keeping track. And uh, also, we're joined by Naomi Brock Bad. Hi, Naomi. How are you? It's me, Naomi. I'm live from the toilet. Okay. This episode is going to be great. I'm really excited. You're in the bathroom recording because you like the acoustics. Okay, guys, you weren't meant to bring that up on the podcast. Okay, but can can we have proof, please? If you could just hit the flusher right there, that would be great. Okay, can I at least give some context? Sure. All right. So I have a lot of roadworks going on outside my apartment. It's been going on for almost three weeks now. It is driving me insane. It wakes me up at seven o'clock in the morning with jackhammers. And I can't record in my usual spot outside because the jackhammers go until like three o'clock. So I am currently recording in the bathroom and they're making fun of me for it. Proof, please. We we need proof. Do I really have to do this? Yes. <laughs> I am never coming on your show again. This is the you, know, you love it. You just bring me on to torture me. That's that's what this is. That is the most fantastic thing. Okay, Naomi, you just got back from New Zealand. You went to a blockchain conference. Now that my blockchain... now that you've set me up with a lot of credibility, yeah, yeah. Um, professionalism. Okay, yeah. good, good. We're going to talk about bitcoins today, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows who you are. You need no introduction. You got your introduction. Let's talk crypto. You got back from Blockchain South and you discovered some interesting things. There's some really good news and there's some really scary news. So why don't you go ahead and share with us your experience? So Blockchain South was a conference in New Zealand uh, run by Tekami. It was a it was a wonderful conference. I had a, such a great time. It was like at this beautiful sort of resort village surrounded by snow-capped mountains. And the whole thing was just like 
picture perfect you know they had all these chalets and and log cabins and water wheels and ponds with white ducks that I swear they must have been like robots or something because they just were adorable on command they did they were just it was amazing you know and then oh and inside my room I had a remote control fireplace what it was it was really amazing uh and all the speakers were amazing so all around wonderful experience and I was super excited to go to New Zealand because I think it's at the back of like every Australian's mind because with immigration rules as soon as an Australian moves to New Zealand they automatically get residency there so it's always been the back of my mind like oh if you know if the world goes crazy and I need to escape somewhere there's New Zealand right and it's this isolated place it's been number two or you know three or four on the economic freedom index for a long time. So I've always been a big fan of a lot of their policies, easy to start businesses there. And so I I kind of look up to this place as being one of the sane regions of the world. And this in part was confirmed at the conference because you had a lot of talk about how friendly it was uh, for blockchain companies to operate there, to open there. And uh, the government seems to be very open-minded about blockchain. I know a lot of really great companies that are based in Auckland. And uh, so it just, it does seem like this great place. But actually, when I was in New Zealand, it was when this news just broke that apparently if you're entering the country and they ask you to hand over the code for your phone or the password for your laptop, you have to comply. Otherwise, you get hit with a $5,000 fine and they take your device away anyway uh, for forensic testing. That for me is absolutely insane and terrifying. Mm -hmm. So it's this strange situation where it's this wonderful, idyllic paradise uh, of freedom in my mind. And on the other side, like left hand's not talking to the right hand. And uh, they've also got these strange draconian rules that are, are such a total invasion of privacy. You know, I did research on that when that came out and I actually tweeted it out and I said, you know, guess I won't be going to New Zealand not that I have anything that's on my device that I don't necessarily want them to see, but it's not their business. They have no right to look at my, for me to give my password to them and to give my phone codes to them at the airport and for them to take my device away for forensic testing. Guess what that's going to do? It's going to kill tourism going to New Zealand. Right. What are they thinking? Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I mean, you got to think about how much of our lives live in the digital world now. I mean, I'm constantly living in the ether. I'm on social media, I'm doing live broadcasts, I'm, you know, and and like things saved in the cloud. Like as a society, we're living more and more on the internet. So it's not just saying like, oh, hand over this small thing, like hand over your diary, like a single book which already would be invasive. It's like hand over your entire life because everything you do these days is basically on the internet. It's it's absolutely insane. Well, what about, you know, passwords and keys? You know, what if you've got a crypto wallet? Can they demand that you unlock that and you give them your private key? I mean, that's a really great question. But a lot of people, they have you know, singular passwords on their computer. So if you're handing over your password for your system, this is bad news. They can probably access a lot of the apps that you automatically log into. And there are probably lots of things on there. You know, I, I just, it really worries me that this is a precedent that that New Zealand is is. Um, setting for the world because what if we enter this world like I mean I 
I've always liked the idea of being able to freely travel. And I actually remember the moment when I was young, when I realized I couldn't just live anywhere in the world I wanted. In my head, I was like, oh, one day I live in Berlin and one day I live in New York and one day I live in, in uh, Paris. And in my head, it was as simple as that. I would get to choose what to do with my life. And then I got older and I realized, you know, oh, there's this thing called visas and you need permission. And actually you can't just work anywhere in the world, you know, and it's really, really tough. So that kind of put a, a, a dampener on things for me. But now it seems like, what if, what if this, um, this policy gets adopted all over the world, then it's not because of laws and, and visas that stops us traveling. It's just because the world has become such a hard place to travel in because governments just, just treat people so badly. Like people just don't want to have to cross borders because it's such a huge event and you hand over so much of your, your um, so many of your rights doing so. I would, you know, if that happened to me, I think the first thing I would do is while they're doing that, get on another device and wipe my phone. Right. Just yeah. just you nope. Know, you 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 can get in there, but we are cleaning it out, baby, because you don't mm-hmm. want to see. Or what you do is you just, you know, take if you go into New Zealand, you just take a wiped phone with you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That's probably what I would do. I was not I would not take my real device. I would take one of these extra devices that I have and just get a SIM card whenever I get in there. And probably not get my laptop. And and they yeah. load it up in the, the uh, home screen just, you know, is like flipping the bird, you know, a picture of you giving them the middle <laughs> finger. Loaded up from oh. pictures of Naomi Brockwell from Twitter. <laughs> like, okay. Naomi Brockwell. Okay. All right. Thank you, Brockbad. Um, actually, a friend of mine, so as we were leaving the conference, a friend of mine was worried um, that he was going to be flagged as he was crossing the border. And uh, and so he actually, he, he downloaded a bunch of random pictures on his phone and deleted everything else so that if someone did open it up, they would just find all of this weird stuff. They'd be like, what is this? So um, I think, I mean, you're going to find people playing jokes like that, but I think you're also going to have companies just coming out with devices that protect people either they'll have like a fake screen or something you know a fake um operating system on there that that is the the password only opens that it doesn't open the rest of the device or maybe you'll have like burner phones that look like normal phones or you know they'll they'll invent all of these different things to circumvent this policy i just think it's a really stupid short-sighted policy what do you think you know what do you think was the reasoning for creating this policy have they stated publicly why they're going above, you know, just above and beyond any security measure that anyone has ever done in any, you know, airport in the world? And come on, it's New Zealand. Like, has there ever been any crazy shit happen in New Zealand? Like, a, I mean, I've really, never really heard of anything great. crazy happen in New Zealand. Like, why do they want to take away your freedoms and your and, and check out the digital device? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point. It's so aggressive in that direction. As you said, it's it's unprecedented. Other governments aren't doing this at the moment. Like even the New York Times has written about this, about how worried we should be because generally when governments have policies like this, it's like, oh, terrorism and criminals and all these people use encryption and encryption is bad. But the New York Times themselves are writing and saying, no, this it affects all of us. We all use encryption to buy things online, to protect our privacy, to manage our finances, to communicate personally. It doesn't mean we have something to hide. It just means that we don't want the world seeing our private messages. So like if the New York Times is even writing about this, it's a, it's pretty severe. And, you know, it's not just New Zealand that's doing 
awful things right now. Australia, they've got their their anti-encryption laws at the moment where they're asking companies to put backdoors in everything. They've basically made, um, they basically banned encryption in Australia at this stage. Uh, there's no way to have digital privacy there or it's very, very hard and you've probably got, you know, um, probes and IP addresses, monitoring activity. And what this means, I mean, this doesn't, this isn't isolated to Australia. This is actually a doorway that the five eyes across the world can use, you know, Canada, Britain, New Zealand, America, and Australia. Like if Australia um, weakens the online privacy of the citizens there, this is a loophole that all of these places around the world can then be using. So it's really, really terrible what's going on. It just seems like it's such a repeat of history. You know, we had this battle in the 90s. We had the the cypherpunks who fought the government and said, no, we need encryption. And now it seems that the government's just like, oh, well, let's have that battle again. Uh, because, you know, terrorists and criminals. It's like, no, do they not realize that you are completely putting at risk the, you know, the global population that is on the internet if you get rid of encryption, if you weaken the standards? Like, people are already getting hacked all the time. People already have tremendous, like they have identity theft. There's all kinds of things going on. People are being being blackmailed and all this. Like if you don't allow people to keep their details private and encourage them to keep it private, then it's, I mean, it's just, it gets far more, to become a far more dangerous world. Especially when we're moving into this crypto world, right? Where everyone's going to have crypto. You have to have encryption. You have to have massive security because I mean, I'm a pretty sophisticated, you know, guy when it comes to security. I mean, I, I worked at Norton Antivirus for Semantic. You know, I worked for Semantic for two years as a global digital strategist there. And I and I got SIM card jacked, right? I mean, that happened to me. Like, so it's like, I'm not saying that I'm like super sophisticated or whatever, but I'm just saying that I am more so than most. And for me to get SIM card jacked, you know, that was really easy to do. Now, if I don't have encryption on my devices or if I, you know, if you, if you start weakening some of these standards, then, you know, guess what? The hackers are the, are some of the most sophisticated people in the world. Now, they're way more sophisticated than a lot of these governments. I was just at the Hackett conference in Ukraine and in Ukraine, uh, these were these were like nearly a thousand of the top, you know, uh, you know, Eastern European hackers and, and uh, Middle Eastern hackers and Asia's hackers. They were in this room. And I guarantee if you start weakening encryption and creating legislation to wholesale weaken encryption, then whichever countries do that are in are, are going to have a disaster in the future because they're not going to be able to keep safe. You're not going to be able to keep your data safe. You're not going to be able to keep your crypto safe. And that's that's a really, really short-sighted thing this government's doing down there. I I, can't, I really can't believe it, actually. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really, really sad. And, and you've also got, I mean, uh, Australia has these whistleblower laws as well. So if you if you're someone who's going to reveal companies that have given away data or backdoors and all that, you can get jailed for this. This is, I mean, this is really scary totalitarian stuff. Well, you know, there's a couple thoughts around this. First of all, there are apps available for both iOS and Android that allow you to hide apps. A lot of them work just for photos and videos, but there are ways for you to have a seemingly innocuous app on your phone that when you launch it, it's just a game. But by doing a certain combination of codes or actions in it, it actually unlocks another folder 
that has apps. And you could just Google, you know, or don't don't Google DuckDuckGo um, hiding apps on my phone to find those types of things. But my question is, a lot of countries, you know, when you travel, you have to declare if you're traveling with a certain amount of valuables, usually, you know, more than $10,000 in, uh, in, in cash or other, you know, assets. So what if you are, you have $10,000 plus in crypto on your phone, on your wallet, and you don't declare that you're traveling with that. That's a whole new can of worms, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's what you get when governments try to shoehorn this new technology into this existing archaic structure. We don't live in a world where we have you know, physical goods crossing borders and all that. We live in a world where things are in, in the ether, where things are existing on, on hundreds of thousands of computers all around the world simultaneously. So, you know, who... who where is that stuff located? You know, like, are you crossing the border if you're entering a new country, uh, if you're taking your private key with you? Because it's, I mean, it doesn't, your Bitcoin doesn't just exist on that private key, right? They're, they're dealing with this this completely new technology and they have no idea how to handle it. Um, so, I mean, the Australian government right now, so it's, it's called the Assistance and Access Bill and it was unveiled, uh, gosh, it was in August. And basically they're allowing government agencies, spy agencies, police, they're also allowing the Australian Taxation Office the power to demand that tech companies help them plant malware on computers and phones so that they can defeat end-to-end encryption. You know, and and it, it's a really scary world when they're working with the companies there because there are some great companies out there that are doing awesome things. The problem with companies is that you have a central focal point that governments can put pressure on and leverage and they can force them to do things. And the problem is, is that you probably don't even find out about it. There are all these gag orders. People can't talk about it. Um, you know, the best the companies can do is um, implement like a warrant canary as soon as possible so that if something does happen, people can know about it. They can know that the security is being compromised because it's it's not a good world when we just have no access to privacy. Well, there's no Bill of Rights in Australia, right? There's not. Well, and also like the constitution, it's kind of this strange thing. Like when I, when I moved to America and everyone's talking about, oh, the second amendment and the fourth amendment and the all don't forget the first amendment the first well that's the most important of all right that everyone knows what they are and in australia i don't think anyone's even read the constitution i um i spoke to a like a constitutional lawyer there a couple of years ago and his take was that like no one's read the constitution no one even realizes that australia has one no one really knows what's in it and no one really listens to it so it's like this completely different uh situation at least in america uh whether you agree with them or not you have people saying listen there's this original document and it protects us and you can't deviate too far from that. And in places like Australia and New Zealand, it just doesn't exist. So it could be that you get a new regime in place and they say, okay, well, we're going to change things up and this is what we're doing now. And you don't have that constituency in, in the population who are out there fighting for that, saying, no, protect this amendment. You know, we want to we, we be safeguarded. People are just very apathetic about this whole situation. Um, I actually saw this really funny video a, a woman put out this this parody video about everything you need to know about this encryption bill. And it was hilarious. And it basically spelled out exactly what this is, you know, just citizens getting completely screwed. And, um, and it's funny because this video was shared a lot, but that was really 
the most that I heard about this encryption bill. You know, you don't see, like when I look at my friends' feeds in Australia, I don't see them saying, guys, let's fight this because this is setting an absolutely terrible precedent. This is going to be disastrous. I see people talking about all of these really dumb, unimportant things, you know, like the 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 best celebrity of the day, their favorite po- politician of the day, their least favorite politician of the day, that like all of these things that are just going to pass. But this is a law that is going to be so disastrous and no one is even talking about it. Do you usually talk this much when you're sitting on the toilet? <laughs> you can you can we stop mentioning the fact that I'm sitting in the bathroom? It sounds this, great though. I, I mean the acoustics are fantastic. Maybe I'll practice my opera in here. I'll get some nice That's bounce great. back. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the James Corden, uh, Paul McCartney car karaoke thing. If you haven't, if you're a fan of the Beatles, it's one of the most amazing things. And they were so basically Paul McCartney and, and James Corden went back to Liverpool and they were driving around all these key areas that he's he'd actually not been back to in 50 years or so. And he went Whoa. back to his home. And uh, as a child, and his home is basically like a museum. It has not changed since he left it. And they went back to they went back to his house, walked through it, and then he went into the bathroom. And he goes, you know, here's the place where I play most of my songs. You know, it's got great acoustics in here. You know, and, and he was in there just like jamming out. He goes most of the, most of the time he would play his songs in the bathroom because of the of the sound resonance. So. <laughs> That's so awesome. Maybe I should do like a a competition. Uh, competition show for um Horton and, and do like karaoke in the bathroom songs from the loo with songs Naomi. from the dunny <laughs> it's gonna be great guys you heard it here first Not- you can be my first guest i love that oh that's great uh you know <laughs> that's great because we are rather crappy so we can come <laughs> You know, I want to, I want to, you know, dive back into the the topic we were having before that because, you know, like here's these these different countries that are doing these things that are rather draconian, right? And who who are the you know the organizations that are that are necessarily fighting them? Because I think you know you know if you look at it, you know, America we have the First Amendment, which is freedom of speech. We have the Second Amendment, which is you know the the right to bear arms to protect ourselves from when governments go crazy. That way we uh, and protect our rights, right? That's the whole reason we have it, not so people can go shoot up places, which is rather ridiculous, uh, it's a crazy epidemic. But I think it's also part of society and how we've gotten with all, with with how the media breeds all this hate and everything's so divisive and if somebody doesn't agree with you exactly then that's an enemy and we need to not have civility i mean it's crazy when you're hearing some of the things that some of these politicians are saying and some of the stuff that the media is saying but taking this a step further you know the 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 US dollar is the world's reserve currency and what that means is most countries have to buy dollars first before they can buy oil right that is eventually going to go away. The dollar collapse is inevitable. I mean, if you read any of these top economists, they're saying that that's going to go away. Uh, they're saying that there's this bubble that's happening. And we've referenced this book before called The Everything Bubble. And there's a bunch of articles out there talking about how the dollar collapse is going to leave Americans destitute. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And then you start seeing countries like New Zealand starting to pass these draconian laws. You see countries like China who's passing this social credit system. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's terrifying. America? I mean, like, is this going to be the worldwide thing where, like, we're judged based on our opinions? And then so if you say the wrong thing in China, you get dinged. And if you're a friend with somebody who said the wrong thing, you get dinged. It's just like that, you know, Netflix episode, uh, that Black Mirror episode, um, 
what was that called? I don't remember which one it was, uh, but yeah. it was the credit system. And th- that's a, that's a legitimate thing. And this is, and then Google is working with China to create this censored search engine. And like, so these things, oh. I noticed these things just like you do. And like Joel does, we were like, wow, like the world could become a very, very crazy place if we do not keep, you know, democracy. And if we do not keep the transparency and power to the people, because when you give power to corporations, power to the governments, power to these powerful, corrupt, elite folks who just want to control everything, most of them are sort of psychopaths, then we end up getting a society that's not altruistic, that's not, you know, a utopia. It's very dystopian in nature. And quite frankly, it can be very scary if we don't, you know, know, swerve this thing in the right direction. Yeah. And it's, you know, the government of Australia, they're going to companies like Apple and saying, listen, we demand that you let us bypass this end-to-end encryption and there will be like $10 million fine if you don't and like all of this, this stuff. And, um, and, you know, they're going after companies like Apple, which have a lot of money to protect themselves. And in the past, like in the San Bernardino case a few years ago, when they refused to hand over or refused to put a backdoor in the, in the um, encryption on the phone, um, they surprisingly have kind of been a stronghold of standing up for what's right and allowing encryption on their devices. But it, it seems that that's being weakened. And if you think about some of the smaller companies, like think about some of the cryptocurrencies uh, or crypto companies out there who are creating storage devices for you, who are creating uh, accounts for you, hardware wells, all of that. Like, who's to say that the government isn't putting pressure on them right now and saying, listen, create us a product that we can actually access. Like, you just have to be really, really careful and make sure you do your research with what's out there and make sure that you find companies that do have a lot of integrity and that do have something like a a warrant canary out there or or do have some sort of a a signaling device. So if they're, they're compromised, then like without violating their gag order, they can actually let people know because we are living in a world where the government is scared of this new tech. They're terrified of encryption. It's all about power. It's it's not about protecting people. It's about them maintaining control. And the best thing we can do is as individuals, just be, um, you know, just hold out. There's some great stories control. in the show notes for you guys to check out. And uh, the, these last couple that you shared with us here talk about, you know, Australia on the cusp of showing the world how to break encryption by law. And then Apple, um, opposing this, right? They don't want to set a precedent that could then be used, uh, you know, in the U.S. Uh, you know, it's like get your get your eyes out of our business. You know, why can we not just be autonomous, free individuals doing what we want as long as we're not, you know, hurting anybody or breaking the law, and get government to just get off of our back, go away. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, if if they put that back door, if Apple does concede and, and they put that back door in, does that mean that it's just for Australian products? Um, does that mean everyone's just going to start buying their products overseas and having them illegally shipped in? Uh, does that mean that it's going to be applied all over the world? And, you know, it just, people are going to have, it's probably going to be a drastic shift in where people buy their products going forward if they're privacy loving individuals, depending on on the outcome of this thing. You know, and that's it's it's really interesting because I've read 1984, I've read Animal Farm, I've read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, and what seems to me is like we're getting this hybrid, right? It's not like one or the other, but it's kind of like I mean, what's really interesting is like if you, if you kind of look at the world in, in in the way that culture is evolving, it's almost like 
you know, they're kind of demonized, you know, society kind of starts to demonize the family. It's like, no, you don't need to have a family. You know, men are evil, right? Like, it's like, it's just kind of crazy. So, like, you can kind of see how these narratives are placing that are getting placed now that could have impact society 50 years down the road. Because if you see Brave New World, like, that was there were no man and wife, right? It was just sort of like this. You know, everyone's kind of a floozy and you hang out with somebody and you have sex with them and you don't know who the dad is. And that's the way it is. And those babies are taken into society and whatever. Who knows if we're going to get that dystopian? That's it's, it's kind of crazy. But we are all economic slaves, right? If we do not have money or fiat to pay our bills, then we are out on the street. And so, you know, these these countries, they want to make sure that their economic growth or GDP is moving in the right direction. And if it's not, then, you know, then they have to do things to fix that. And that's a big thing for a lot of these countries. And so a lot of times that's why they like to move immigrants in, because immigrants are normally have more kids than the than the people that are already in those countries. Like if you look at the statistics in Europe, like I think it's like France has for every two people, they have like one point six kids. But for to grow a civilization, you need to have 2.1 children or more for every two people. So a lot of in a lot of these countries, their population is dwindling. So they want to bring in these immigrants that are having, you know, you know, Latin immigrants on average, they have six plus kids per family. And, you know, I think Middle Eastern ones, they have eight kids per family if they're in the Muslim faith. So it's like you can kind of see like we want our populations to grow. So they're willing to do all this stuff. And it's changing the face of a lot of a lot of these societies, good or bad. But the thing is, is that when you start having these authoritarian and dystopian leaders that want to have so much control over what we do and dictate how we do things and the way we do things and eliminating freedoms, that's that to me is just like, wow, like people have to wake up and see here's where things are heading. And I don't know that most people are woke up enough to see that because it's just they're they're stuck in their daily routines. They don't think outside the box too often. And you can't blame them because we're indoctrinated with this, this sort of society. But it could get really crazy really soon if we don't, you know, do something to sort of change some things. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredibly crazy. Yeah. And what you're saying about the world being sort of this hybrid at the moment, like it's it's not quite apocalyptic, but it's not this paradise. It's not this, you know, wonderful freedom uh, loving place. I think that we're always just going to have a constant battle between people who want to take control of others and the people who want freedom. And we can never be complacent. And I think maybe what you're seeing in Australia and New Zealand is complacency. We've come out of a, a huge uh, like raw minerals boom, huge boom in the economy. We um, were not affected by the housing crash uh, as badly as the US, for example, was. Um, and everything's kind of, everyone there is, is kind of wealthy, you know. Um, if, I, if you compare it to the world standard, of you look at poverty around the world, Australians and people in New Zealand are very lucky. Like by, by all means, people aren't driving around in, in Bentleys and all of that, like the, the uh, main population. But it's like, a, it's, a, it's an easy place to live. It's a, it's, a, it's a good place to live. And I think the people just become complacent and maybe they're not fighting for these freedoms that are just like sneakily 
slipping away, that governments want more control, they just kind of work these little things into policy, and no one really takes much notice. And I think that that's scary, because I think it was Goethe who said that, that freedom could be lost in a single generation. And that's uh, it's really scary if you have a generation of people who are pretty complacent, um, and they're just not really fighting for what's what's right. Like I think Jeffrey Tucker once said that after he visited Australia for the first time, he said, Naomi, you know, if I wasn't an anarchist, I think I'd just be an Australian. (laughs) Uh, Because it's like everyone there, like it's, you don't really have these people who are just pushing against this giant government, like in, in uh, America. And even those that you do have there, you've got to think about the difference in population size. So we're a country of what, like 22 million people or thereabouts. Um, It's just so small, right? That's about as big as New York City. (laughs) Right. So when you have like a faction of loud libertarians and let's say, you know, it's X amount of the population, like it's probably ends up being like five people, you know, like in America, you have the same percentage and you end up with with a a huge group of people who are fighting for rights. But in Australia, it just seems like it can be very isolating if you're someone who is anti big government because you just don't hear that rhetoric as often uh, there. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think people in the outback, like maybe they're, they're I, I'm not sure whether they have this idea that they're already free, that, you know, they've got their lands, that they are already protected, but they've got to realize that government creeps in and maybe they, they're, they're not they got so their koalas, they got their the, kangaroos, they, they got, got their, their boomerangs. Kangaroos. I mean, Absolutely. they have all the, the, the stereotypical I'm so glad you're here to just paint these stereotypes, uh, Joel. This is this is great. Uh, no, but um, with the the outback, like I mean, I just I, I think that oh God, you you know what? You made me forget what I was going to say. Damn you, the kangaroos and your koala talk. Yes, him, him, him and him and his jokes. Um, ah. Yeah. Well, you know, it it is. It's an interesting time. It's an interesting, you know, place where we are in civilization because you know never before has technology grown as fast as it has. And that's one thing that I've always thought of, is that you know you don't see the altruistic good guys and the good girls that are just like you know really heartwarming and caring about people. You don't normally see them run for politics. You know, it's like they're, <laughs> they're not the ones that are out there, you know, trying to control people. They're the ones that are literally out there trying to make the world a better place. And so I think politics needs to be revamped a little bit because when when politics, you know, when 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 people who are in charge of stuff, they want to clamp down everything. They want to control everything they can because they can and they have this sort of uh, I, I really do. I think it's sort of it's a bit psychopathic. A lot of these a lot of these folks that are that run for for politics and you start seeing freedoms getting dwindled. And, you know, in, in a time where technology is growing at a faster pace than ever, like these last 100 years. I mean, good God, we've been a, we've been a civilization. You know, we've been a, this, this has been a planet for a couple of few billion years. And, you know, humans have been growing for you know a few million years, 100 million years. Who, who knows how long? And here we are in the last 100 years the stuff that's happened in the last 100 years. And, you know, hopefully we have learned that, you know what, we need transparency, we need freedoms, and the world can become a better place. And I think a lot of it is, you know, people look at government like almost like it's a religion. It's that statism where, oh, the government can solve all of our problems, when in reality, the government creates most of the problems. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like, I'm not a full on anarchist, but I can I have different tendencies where I think that 
you know, we should adopt some of those measures because if not, we're going to get into this authoritarian dystopia where there's no breaking out of it because once you get AI that is so intelligent that we all look up to AI as the all-knowing, you know, Oz from the Wizard of Oz and you can't argue with AI because it's way smarter than we are and then how do you break free of it? So the only time to break free of it is before you get the shackles on, because once the shackles are it's on, it's an amazing it's time to be yeah. alive for sure. Naomi Brockwell, BitcoinGirl.org is the website. I guess it's a nonprofit website. No, nope. Naomi nope. Brockwell.com. Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say you can go to either. There's there's uh, charming pictures of you on both sides, but we'll link to them in the show notes. And uh, Naomi, thanks for being a bad crypto uh, correspondent from down under broadcasting live from the loo. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful chatting here in the toilet. That Naomi, she is, you know, she is really a, a good egg. She plays along with uh, with our weirdness. Yeah, you know, that's one thing I really appreciate about her. You can tell that she's done improv, right? Because she's like, yes, and, and then she'll go in and she'll just, she just runs with whatever hilarity that we throw at her. She just runs with it. And I love that about her. Um, there's so many people out there who are no, but like, I have one of my good friends that I've known for a long time, not as good friends anymore, just because he was so negative all the time. Like, literally, you give him, you, hey, let's go and do this. No, but blah, 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 blah. Like, really? Like, come on, dude. He's like, always no. Like, his first thing out of his mouth most of the time was no, but, and then he would tell you what he said. And a lot of times, he would just reiterate what you just said. And I'm like, dude, that's not cool. So I love people who are, you know, of the spirit of improv and yes, and that's good. We appreciate you guys. And coming up here this week, of course, the big Thanksgiving holiday weekend in the United States of America. I know you guys in Canada, you, you're you thankful another time and we're thankful that you're thankful another time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're all about that uh, family gathering and eating way too much food, having uh, tryptophan, you know, running through our systems at lightning speeds. And because of that, there's no bad news episode this week. But we are doing something special for you guys that is designed to help introduce your family and your friends to crypto. That is true. We will be busting out episode 210, uh, which will be coming out here this week. So it'll be badco.in forward slash 210. Pretty easy to remember. Two, one, zero, right? It's like our countdown. And uh, we're going to be telling you all about the cryptos what it means, what blockchain is. This way you can let your family know and say, hey, listen to episode 210 and uh, check out Bad Crypto as they teach you why the future of money, the future of trust is uh, based on blockchain. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a shorter episode. It's going to be really consumable. So like when you're with family and friends this coming weekend or past, if you know this happens to be in the past, then you could say, hey, you know what? You're asking me these questions about this Bitcoin and blockchain stuff. I listened to this podcast. I think you're going to like it. Let's listen to it together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to be a shorter show and it's going to kind of explain it to them in a way that uh, that only the uh, the blockchain blockheads can do. I think you guys are going like it watch for it and then tell them to subscribe or just grab their phones and subscribe them yep yep uh i think that that's going to be a helpful way because a lot of people are skeptics especially you know folks who have paid attention to the media you know bitcoin's dead i think for the 400th time uh, 487th time because the price is down it was at twenty thousand dollars now it's 
at 5,000, see it's a scam. And well, it's not necessarily how it works. It is the future of money, the evolution of money, and more and more adoption is happening daily. And right now we're just in a bear market and this happens. And, um, you know, doesn't mean the, the whole industry is a scam. Doesn't mean that it's bad. And, uh, you know, folks need to know about it, right? And one last piece of news. We got some great interviews coming up for you next week. Vinny Lingham, the CEO of Civic, is going to be joining us. Justin Sun, the CEO of Tron, in a special interview with the crypto chick, Rachel Wolfson. And there's a hint right there. Bad Crypto's first spinoff show begins next week. And we will be telling you about that next week as well. So get ready because you're going to want to subscribe to this new show as well mm-hmm. you're gonna want to subscribe a fi and all of the fives because you know what if you've loved some of the insights that miss wolfson has had there'll be some great stuff in the future that you're gonna be able to get more insights right and all of that is going to help you to stay back who's bad The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.